You're listening to the OKC82 Podcast with Brady Trantham and Madison Morris. The best place for OKC Thunder basketball. A part of 1077 The Franchise Podcast Network. Now, the Franchise NBA Insider Show. Jerry Ramsey and John Hamm break down the NBA and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Stats, analysis, and opinions. From the peak to the locker room to the road. No one has you covered like the Franchise NBA Insiders. No one has you covered. No one, nada, zip, nilch, nyet. No one, and, and Madison probably picked up on what that word means. It's Russian. It's the Thunder Insider <laughs> oh, yeah. Show. I forgot about that plot line. Madison. 107.7, the franchise in Oklahoma City. 107.9 in Tulsa. John Ham with you this morning. No Jerry Ramsey. Uh, Jerry is hoping the rain stops so he can watch his beloved St. Louis Cardinals today. Oh, yeah, they, they don't play baseball when it rains. That's right. And uh, nope, that uh, th- those little weenies can't get out there and swing their bat <laughs> when it's raining. You know, football players just rush for 400 yards when it's raining. It's not a big deal to or them. Or snowing. Or whatever. Uh, but yeah, we got you covered this morning. John Hamm along with Brady Trantham as always. Madison Morris behind the glass. Coming in to, uh, <laughs> to fill and better fill Jerry's shoes, we have Chisholm Holland in the middle of a giant laugh. What's going on, guys? <laughs> what are you watching over there? Uh, Madison and I couldn't hear anything on our headphones. I said, it's because you haven't turned down. And she did, what? I said, well, it's turned down. The headphones are turned down. Oh, producer it, Joe. We had to talk through it. Producer, oh, okay. Producer Joe. Well, it was just stupid because I had everything else like leveled out nicely. I had everything like controlled on the board. I'm like, we're good to go. And then I look over at Chisholm. I'm like, I can't hear anything. He's like, I can't either. I'm like, oh, God. We both don't have headphones. It's just going to be a John and Brady show. But that was just my stupidity. <laughs> well, so. th- thankfully not because we definitely need both of you involved or else Brady and I uh, will probably talk through commercial breaks and we can't have that. So we need some guidance on the show. Uh, Chisholm, of course, producer of The Drive from 6 to 8, Monday through Friday, and coming in for a little extra extra today. Yeah, a little extra effort. I'll be here next week, too, while Brady's in Florida. So, double yes. dip of uh, Chisholm on the Franchise Insider Show. I made, this, I made these vacation plans um, back in mid-March because it was very <laughs> apparent. Like, um, my, my girlfriend, like, we talked about it, and I looked at the schedule. I looked at when the playoffs were like mapped out. And I was like, oh, that's literally the day after the Western Conference Finals start or like the week after. Uh, it's not looking too good for the Thunder right now. Let's just go ahead and go to Florida and have fun. And, <laughs> and thankfully, I mean, at least for me personally, thankfully, I don't have to miss work. And here's the thing. Before the playoffs, we talked about OKC had a path to the Western Conference Finals. The Portland Trailblazers are there, it. guys. They took it. <laughs> they are there. So uh, now it it may be a short series, but uh, you know because Golden State, I, I don't know, guys. They they have built such a good team. Is, is there anything else they could potentially add to this team to make themselves better? Can you think of anything like uh, anyone? Boban. Boban, yeah. Kevin Durant, Boogie Cousins. Who is? Ke- oh, that's not realistic. What are you talking about? Uh, I don't know. Uh, bring back like a Michael Jordan or something. Chism, Chism better, is, I guess. Chism is just trade machine guy. Like, hey, like I, I'm, this trade works on ESPN.com. Yeah. What do you think? What What if we traded nothing and got Kevin Durant and Boogie Cousins? That's the scenario that Golden State is looking at. No, they, they have looked tremendous, and I've talked about this team that, um, yeah. There is sort of the, the the narrative. I kind of think it's the the arms folded, pouty fan out there. Like Warriors are better without Kevin Durant. They're not better without Kevin Durant. It's just their stars have room to grow, 
And even the role players like Andre Iguodala have room to grow when Kevin Durant is out. They have more margin for error than anyone else in the NBA chism. And, you know, Steph Curry is sort of like, okay, fine. I'll play like an MVP now. Yeah, C.J. McCollum actually talked about this a little bit. He said they're not a better team without Kevin Durant, but they're harder to guard. Uh, I think there might be a little bit of truth to that. Like, it's a lot easier to guard the Warriors whenever you're the guy not guarding Kevin Durant. But when the Warriors don't have Kevin Durant, suddenly you're guarding all five positions. Um, So I'm sure there's a little bit of truth to that. But no, Kevin Durant does definitely make the ceiling on this team a whole lot higher. And what I think Kevin's role really is for this team is he makes the floor a lot lower. I don't know if we see... Portland with a 15-point advantage at the end of the first half. Kevin Durant's out there. They were really missing him early in that game because they couldn't get buckets. So I think Kevin Durant helps, uh, but overall, they're still just an absolutely talented team that's unbelievable. Like, Kevin Durant could leave this summer, and they still might be the title favorites coming into next year. Yeah, it's, you know, I always kind of make the comparison between, like, when you say, okay, Golden State with Kevin Durant, Golden State without Kevin Durant, it's not as simple as fantasy sports. You don't just add a guy, you add his points per game, you add his ability, and then you subtract it, and then it just goes back to where it was. When you play with, when you play on a team, uh, Golden State with Kevin Durant for so many games, you know they played in back-to-back finals, well into mid-June. Uh, these, these last two years, when you play so many games, it's going to affect the, the Warriors at some point. And not having Kevin Durant in this series is probably going to bite Golden State for a game, maybe. like I, It almost did in Game 2, but then Steph Curry just went absolutely insane. Played like the unanimous MVP from a few years ago, like we all know that he can be. Um, it's going to bite them at some point. But overall, I asked Chisholm, I asked you this on Monday. Should we have expected anything different? from Golden State and Portland um, compared to what we had seen in years previous in the playoffs because whatever Portland does, Golden State does it 10 times better at, at points. And especially when Dame is playing, uh, is he tired? Is he mentally exhausted? Is he physically beat up from just the the trials and tribulations of a, of a postseason run that he's been on? Um, but when that's going on, I just don't know what you can expect um, differently with Golden State and Portland. Let's start it. Let's start a narrative, okay? Damian Lillard was only concerned about beating Russell Westbrook. There's the narrative. Let's just run <laughs> sure. with that. Hey, you want to connect it to uh, the Thunder since they're not playing, and we gotta we gotta <laughs> connect. We gotta make content here. I mean, this is the Thunder Insider hey, Show. That is something that needs to be addressed, and I think we kind of talked about that last week about what Russell needs to address in this offseason. and. Maybe it's something as simple as not being such a polarizing troll that you inspire um, great play and players to go above their capability just against you just to prove a point. Maybe if you're not like that, maybe Dame doesn't go 9 of 12 from 45 feet you know, in, on the three-point line. Maybe those things don't happen. Hey, when he rocked the baby against Andrew Harrison, Harrison could not oh, respond to that. No. So come on, let's, yeah. you know, let's get a little reality there. Uh, but no, uh, honestly, I think some of it is, I mean, maybe it is, uh, you know, early in the playoffs, everything was just falling for Portland. I mean, they did an excellent job. Al Farouk Aminu was knocking out shots he hasn't been able to hit since. He's become borderline unplayable, um, you know, since then. So, you know, I, I think it's just sort of a culmination of things. But having C.J. McCollum, obviously helps out a whole lot to be able to pick up a lot of that slack. But uh, I, I don't know, Madison, do you see this series extending to five games, six games? Will it become um, you know a competitive five games for Portland? Yeah, I mean, I really do think it will just because they are going to go back to Portland tonight. Obviously, as Thunder 
coverers, the Thunder fans have seen this. That was not a good word, but you know, we cover the Thunder. Uh, just as people who have covered this team, we've seen how Portland has responded when they do get to go back on their home court and they have their fan base behind them. They have kind of all the bells and whistles that come with playing a game in their uh, arena. So I, I do think this can go to five games. I even think it could go to six just because they did have a 17-point advantage over the Warriors the other night at one point. And I, I mean, I really think that had a lot to do with Seth Curry, who he's playing his brother right now, guys. He is fired up. Uh, the way that he was playing the other night was just not like anything anyone's seen from Seth Curry this entire season, just because uh, if you have your brother out there who makes all the kinds of noises that he makes, you're going to want to really outdo that. And of course, you have your family there who has to like wear half and half jerseys. It's just they are legally obligated to root for you. Yes, they <laughs> have to root for you some way, some form. And so I honestly think they're going to go back to Portland tonight and just really light it up because they're hungry. They're hungry to win this game. And I think Seth Curry is even hungrier to beat his brother. Now, if correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Dell and his wife are flipping a coin to see yeah that's what is that's, that each game or was that for the entire series i didn't hear uh if. i think it's for each game but i don't know if dell's quarter like landed like on the side or something because <laughs> he had that like half and half jersey well, there you go when did there you like, go? that's well, what I mean, you need when that's the, what you should have done in the first place when did the curries go harvey dent on us this is <laughs> <laughs> one side of the coin has a giant scar that's yeah. that's steph uh the other one does not but uh <laughs> Yeah, I, look, uh, parents have been torn before uh, when, when they have kids like in college at two different universities that are playing against one another. Or like if you're like, uh, uh, what, Jim and John Harbaugh's father in, in the Super Bowl that one year. That that would have been, that that would have been, been brutal. very <laughs> difficult. Oh, incredibly brutal. Just yeah. unfair. Um, so, I mean, like an interesting little subplot there. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, here's the reality is that Golden State is looking really good. I mean, the chances of them advancing are good in Chisholm. Uh, the the thought that now Kevin Durant apparently the uh, the calf injury might be a little bit more severe than they anticipated. I wonder how severe it would be if it was one one or o two. But still, uh, it sounds like they're going to take it a little slow and easy with Kevin, and you know you j- inject him back into the NBA Finals uh, bonus. Yeah, <laughs> bonus points, I guess. Uh, yeah, they're going to take him slow because they're up 2-0. They're drastically more talented uh, than the Portland. No, you're supposed to rhyme. You you were on a rhyme there. Was I? Yeah, oh. they're down 2-0. Sorry, I can't. Yeah. No, sorry. I can't. I can't. That's not <laughs> me. Right. That's not me. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, Portland's not near as talented as they are. Like, Alfred Camino, he's out there, and you're just like, oh, man, I feel so bad for that guy. Like, he just has no place on the floor right now uh, for, this, for this Trailblazers team for a lot of different reasons. But... Kevin Durant comes back in the finals. Obviously, that uh, that's going to help them. I, I'm going to go ahead and make the assumption that more than likely they're going to end up playing the Milwaukee Bucks, which is great. And here's a stat that Matt Moore actually just tweeted out this morning. Matt Moore writes for the Action Network. Does a great job covering basketball. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks finished the regular season with the best record, with the best regular season net rating. They have the best playoff record right now and the best playoff net rating. When Golden State the past three years won the title, they were a plus 6.4 net rating last year, 10.4 the year before that, and 12.9 the year before that. Kevin Durant's first year in Golden State. Milwaukee, currently, 15.1 plus net rating. They are better than any Golden State team this year or the two previous years that have won the title in net rating for the playoffs. They've been an absolute buzzsaw. We might be selling gold we might be overselling Golden State a little bit here or underselling Milwaukee. I still think Golden State's gonna win. 
the sweep in the finals or the gentleman sweep in the finals that we've seen the past few years, that might not happen. Milwaukee might be able to give them a little bit of run through money, and they're going to need Kevin Durant in that case. And we're going to talk about the Eastern Conference because, yeah, there was a game last – well, I, I, okay, there was, a, there was a match between two professional basketball teams. I don't know how much of a game it was. Uh, but, yeah, Milwaukee is, is, is handling the Raptors in that series. We'll talk about that. And, by the way, the finalists for all of the major NBA awards were announced yesterday – Someone locally was on a couple of those categories. James Harden isn't local anymore. He got traded. Trey, oh, Trey okay. Young doesn't play for OU anymore, John. Well, but he's he's in my heart. Giannis is from yeah. Greece, John. He's not from here. He's also in my heart. He's not an American. So we will talk about all that and a whole lot more uh, this morning on the Franchise Thunder Insider Show. 107.7 the Fr- 107.9 in Tulsa. What's up, everybody? It's Madison Morris giving you a heads up on the announcement of the NBA finalists announced just yesterday. Trey Young, Luka Doncic, and DeAndre Ayton are finalists for the Kia NBA Rookie of the Year Award. Montrezl Harrell, DeMontis Sabonis, and Lou Williams were named finalists for the Sixth Man Award. Giannis Antetokounmpo, Rudy Gobert, and Paul George are finalists for Defensive Player of the Year. And Giannis and PG will also take home the nominations for MVP finalists along with James Harden. Those are a, few, are a few of the finalists for the NBA Awards, which will be announced on June 24th. This is the Franchise Thunder Insider Show. Listen at work to the franchise players. Gabe Eichert, Kelly Gregg, and Jerry Ramsey. Weekdays noon to 3 on 107.7 The Franchise. A rainy, floody Saturday morning here in Oklahoma City and the surrounding metro area. John Ham hosting your today's show. Your today's show. Today's show of your. <laughs> it is a show that is on the radio in which today. you are listening and we are hosting or some form. But anyway, the Thunder, Fran- <laughs> the Thunder Insider Show on 107.7 The Franchise, along with Brady Trantham, Madison Morris, Jism Holland stepping in, playing the role of Jerry Ramsey today. We the, we hit that upgrade button on the keyboard and got Chisholm. The storms washed away Jerry Ramsey. <laughs> he needs a good washing. It's a, that's a giant <laughs> storm if it's washing away Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, as Madison talked about coming out of the break there, guys, uh, the finalists for the various awards were announced yesterday. Um, some of these were no-brainers. I think we kind of uh, puzzled out who was going to be the top three in several of these categories. Um, but Paul George popped up in not one, but in two categories. He popped up as a finalist for MVP, which is not was not surprising heading into the All-Star break. Not at all. <laughs> Post-All-Star break, a little surprising that he's still on there. I mean, and, and, and again, it's understandable why maybe his, his play did not sustain to the level it was oh, yeah. uh, before then. But obviously, it is a season-long award, uh, and therefore he's on there. Also, a top three finalist for uh, defensive player of the year. And there's another dude who also is a favorite for MVP and defensive player of the year. One Giannis and Tintacumpo. That's not bad company to be with. Did I say that right? I felt that was my first time to say it at like a quick pace. Did you see me fist pump? I was excited. Was that what you're doing? I I almost like was afraid to look because I was like, Oh, is Brady giving me the gesture? Like you just butchered that. If you just say Giannis and then put some words together really quickly, that's close enough. So (laughs) the alphabet, Giannis and (laughs) but yeah, I mean, Brady, not bad company to be in there. Paul George and Giannis, Oh, yeah, uh, no question. I mean, I just told you during the break, I was really surprised that Paul was on the MVP list just because of how bad that that post all-star break was and it pretty much was just a month of basketball. They uh, March was terrible. They go six and 13. Of course, Paul George um, 
in his own words, didn't necessarily the inj- the shoulder injury didn't start in that Denver game. I believe was February twenty sixth. Uh, Madison and I were in the arena for that one. Didn't start there, but that's when it became so terrible that it, he was forced to miss games. Then ultimately played like he uh, did the rest of the year. Um, but of course, the Thunder finish out April five and zero, and everybody knows how they ended up the uh, postseason. But just with how bad the Thunder were and how underwhelming Paul George was even with the injuries. Yeah, I was surprised to see him on the MVP list over guys like Nikola Jokic, who uh, really, really played well all season long, never really had a drop-off. Denver had the second, uh, was the second seed in the Western Conference. And even Dame Lillard, who's always going to be in that top three, top five uh, conversation for uh, the last few years and next few years uh, moving forward in the MVP uh, candidacy. But Defensive Player of the Year, that wasn't very surprising. Paul George is uh, one of the best two-way players in the game. And when you think... Yeah, Kawhi Leonard didn't play enough. He didn't play enough to be in that category of defensive player of the year. He's already won two of the two of the damn awards, so um, that that not so surprising. And you look at uh, if you look at the splits, Paul George before the All Star break. These are just the raw numbers, okay? Uh, about thirty six minutes a game, almost twenty nine points, eight boards, four assists, uh, a plus ten point three when he was on the floor. We were writing so many things about you know. Paul George on versus off. The numbers were drastic. I mean, these these were all MVP stuff we're talking about here. Uh, and he also shot the ball extremely well. Uh, he was shooting 45% from the field, 40% from three. Fantastic. MVP stuff. You carry that on the entire season. Maybe he wins the award. But it's that po- the post-All-Star performance, which, again, we're, we're admitting there were some injuries that he's getting taken care of. The minutes went up a little bit. The scoring came down a touch, uh, but the shooting is what really bottomed out. 40% from the field, 33 from three. That's what That helped hurt the Thunder Post All-Star break. It wasn't the sole reason, but it helped hurt. Yeah, it wasn't just, it wasn't just the shooting by itself. It was, he was still shooting the same amount of attempts, and that's what made it so drastically terrible. There were games where Paul George shot the Thunder out of a potential victory because he would take 10 or 11 threes but only hit two of them, and um, the Thunder would end up losing that game by, you know, a possession or two. And again, he's got two broken shoulders. He's already had surgery on one. So in hindsight, it makes a little bit more sense. And, you know, going into the offseason right when it started, I didn't want to play the excuse game. But it is so it's so realistic that you you can't totally dismiss it. But you I would just hope that the uh, Thunder fan base and people that cover this team uh, yeah, don't don't just lob this into, well, if Russell doesn't get hurt against Patrick Beverly, then X happens. Or if Andre Arverson last year doesn't get hurt, who knows how the Thunder perform in the postseason against Utah. Yeah, I mean, Paul George was still out there. They didn't have to go from, yeah, you know, from 38 minutes of Paul George to zero minutes of Paul George and 40 minutes of Abdul Nader, right? There was Paul George <laughs> on the floor in, in, in a lesser form than he was before the All-Star break, no doubt about it. Uh, Madison, we'll go to you. Is this just, could it just be just a building block for next season for uh, Paul George? I, I mean, possibly because even, <clears throat> excuse me, what you just said, John, with a lesser form of Paul George still wasn't bad. He was still finishing with like 25, 27, 30 points a night. And so, you know, even with Paul George, like <laughs> you kind of joked about with two broken shoulders, uh, I mean, yeah, he was dealing with a bunch of issues, but at the same time, he was still able to go out there and perform at a high level. It may not have been his like his MVP performance levels like he was doing earlier on in the season, but it was still good. It was still a lot better than a lot of, uh, guys in the league were doing at that time just because that's kind of when the NBA hit a wall. So, I, I mean, I wasn't 
incredibly surprised to see Paul George be uh, one of the top three finalists for MVP. Um, I mean, yeah, if you look at guys like James, you look at guys like Giannis, they had some very impressive stretches of the season, but so did Paul. And I mean, yeah, Giannis is still going. James actually did make it out of the first round of the playoffs, but I don't know. I think you have to look at the MVP in a bigger perspective. And maybe Paul doesn't fit all of that, but I really do think he did deserve this uh, top three head nod. I think that's great for him. So Chisholm, with with PG being in the top three, does that mean he has a better than 0% chance of winning the MVP? <laughs> uh, are, are you trying to paint me against my friend Colby Powell? Is that what's going on? No, I, no, I, I'm just... Is, is, is there a thing? I didn't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's safe to assume that Paul George is going to get third in this award. And that's, uh, and so so I, you're telling me there's a chance? There's a minor chance. <laughs> there's, a, there's a great chance he's going to get third. I'm going to say there's zero <laughs> chance he's going to win it. Uh, but this is still a successful season for him no matter what. So, uh, yeah. Zero percent chance might have been extreme to say in January like Colby did. But overall, Paul George is great. And uh, he totally deserves all the recognition that he's going to get. And this was... Well, this was his breakout season. We thought we saw that actually like three years ago at Indiana, but this was his breakout season. So when he broke his leg. Yeah, that was a breakout. Oh, oh. oh. wow, John. Sorry, I was channeling Jerry there for a <laughs> yeah, second. No, Jerry. That was a very Jerry. What joke happened right there. to Jerry? Took possession of John's body. <laughs> Somebody um, fetch a priest. Right. But uh, yeah, so when I thought Paul George has reached his apex, this was his, this was his apex. To answer your question about, do I think he can consistently do that long term? I know Thunder Faithful are very excited. A lot of people are around here that this is the Paul George we expect to see going forward. I'm really scared this might be an outlier. He was so unbelievable for about two-thirds of the year that we were all, I don't know about you guys, but I was waiting for it to cool off. It just felt like, man, he is just He's just hot. He's just unbelievably hot. It's going to taper off at some point. Paul George has always been known in the league as one of those hot and cold guys going back and forth. I think we might look back and say this was his best year in Oklahoma City, and it kind of got squandered. I'm not saying he's going to be... Abdul Nader going forward. Uh, but this might be his best year in Oklahoma City that we just watched. Yeah, and look, a lot depends on his health moving forward. How, you know, uh, the, the shoulder surgeries, how much do they allow him to get back uh, to his form? Maybe, like you mentioned, Brady, he had been dealing with some shoulder issues for a while and just became aggravated to the point of need to get it addressed uh, in, in order to, you know, hopefully get back and bounce back to where he was. But, uh, you know, and then when it comes down to, I mean, you, you mentioned it, Chisholm. Paul George is probably coming in third here. I, I feel pretty confident about that, that this is really between Giannis and Harden. And uh, I know there are some Rockets fans with keyboards that are very passionate about which way this should go. Like their GM. Much like their GM. I you know I can make a case either way. I lean towards Harden there towards the end of the season. I was, I was Giannis most of the way. I lean towards Harden. If Giannis wins it, yeah, I get it. it. If Harden wins it, I get it. It is it is interesting though because it feels like the eight and twelve start that Houston had is just kind of thrown away. Like who cares? And then James Harden put the team on his back, and that's where we want to count it. That's a twenty game stretch where James and the Rockets were pretty bad. Well, the Thunder and Paul George had a twenty game stretch where they were pretty bad. But I guess we're just we're going to only count the twenty game stretch that matters because it happened at the end of the year and the recency bias thing. But um, again. I think Paul should be third. I would pick Harden over him in this in this case. But it is something to think about how we just want to we'll pick and choose what applies in these awards. Like no matter yeah. what, if it's college football, NFL, NBA, it doesn't matter. We pick and choose what matters. Well, and the narrative matters because yeah. 
you know, Houston in the offseason, not re-signing some key players, and then Houston getting off to the Carmelo Anthony start, and then undoing the Carmelo Anthony thing, and then bouncing back from a Chisholm. I think maybe that is sort of the narrative that people are playing into, that Harden overcame uh, ownership and management this season. Yeah, I mean, they had new owners in Houston. The story out of Houston is that they definitely did not want to be paying the luxury tax this year. Oh, definitely year. not. No, that's um, not why they traded everyone that was making anything that might put them over the tax line. <laughs> yeah, you don't think they could have used James Innes down the stretch? That guy I mean, was just, great for I, Philadelphia. I just another body. Yeah, anyway. would have been great. Um, so I think that is a part of it is that people can't hold Harden uh, responsible for the fact that Daryl Morey just made a bunch of really bonehead moves this summer. And to his credit, he saw that and adjusted almost immediately. Uh, but like the Carmelo Anthony thing obviously didn't work. Uh, they weren't getting a ton out of James Innes at the time, um, who was supposed to be 80% of Trevor Ariza. Which yeah. We just never saw that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so I think that's a lot of it. And then. I actually agree with the sentiment that, yeah, yeah, the first 20 games, he was bad. The last 20 games, the Thunder were bad equally across the board. The last 20 games just mean more. I'm sorry. I know they all count the same as far as percentages go, but when it came down to the end of the year, the last 20 games mean more. We know where everybody is. Everyone's fighting for playoff position. The the end of the line is right there, and Paul George came up short, and that could be large part because of injury, but he played all the playoff games, so don't don't sell me that bag of, that, that bag of goods all the way. I think James Harden being down the stretch, getting his team what should have been the three seed, ended up being the four if Denver doesn't do some tricky tanking there at the end of the year. I think that means a lot more. So all 82 games are not equal. The ones, the last 20 are way more important than the first 20, even though percentages would tell you that's not true. Yeah, I mean, th- there is some truth to that. I mean, at the end of the season, you, I mean, wh- what are the Thunder, what have they told us for years? We want to play our best basketball at the end of the season. Your best basketball uh, should correlate with winning more games heading into the playoffs right. and being the quote-unquote best version of themselves. That's something that they've talked about a lot here, and, and to some degree it makes sense. For other teams, if you've got, I don't know, Shaquille O'Neal or LeBron James on your team, it's like, eh, wake me when the playoffs start, or Draymond Green, for that matter, who, frankly, I'm a little surprised he was left off the top three of Defensive Player of the Year. Me too. So, and and again, you talk about the entire season mattering. You know, I, I think, you know, Green has been pacing himself, getting ready for these, you know, the, the final playoff games here. But when you look at DPOY, you know, Giannis, PG, Gobert, I want to have a strong opinion here, but I, I I don't know. Can you sell me one direction or another? Well, I think with Golden State, I think if Kevin Durant has done anything but other than good for Golden State, it's they've Kevin Durant just screwed Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson out of any postseason award, probably because people just don't care about them anymore. They're just so we're so conditioned that they're incredible, they're great, that their greatness just gets forgotten. And what you said, John, like yeah, it was kind of surprising that Draymond Green wasn't on this list. But when you think about the three, um, it's. I mean, I told you, Chisholm. I told you last night. I think Giannis is going. I I would pick Giannis to win it, and you were frankly a little surprised. Uh, the award does tend to classically go, go to big men. So, obviously, Rudy Gobert is going to be the pick there. And Rudy Gobert is a fine, really, really great defensive player, and he's so good at it. He He's Steven Adams on steroids. He's what a lot of Thunder fans say Steven Adams is, but Gobert is such a game-changer defensively. That's what people want Steven to get to at some point in his career, maybe so. Well, Steven is being paid to be Rudy Gobert. Exactly. When you think of it that way, it makes it a little bit more head scratching. But um, yeah, this is this is an award that if Paul George were to win it, I would be very surprised. But if the other two did, um, I one of those two, I'm not very I'm not very surprised. Jism, any yeah. any direction? Uh, I think Rudy Gobert is going to win it, not because I think he was the best player in the year. When we did our little franchise votes 
um, with Brady writing a great article a few weeks ago. I voted for Giannis Antetokounmpo. I thought he was the best player. I think Milwaukee basically should walk away with every award they possibly can. I think they should walk away with Coach of the Year, the Executive of the Year, MVP, Defensive Player of the Year. Um, they should get all of those. I don't think they're going to because this award always goes to big men. It just feels like when people are like, ah, I don't know. They go back and forth between two guys for the Defensive Player of the Year. It always goes back to the center for the rebounding aspect and the block shots. Giannis should be kind of considered a big anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Point center? Yeah, definitely. And <laughs> you always get like a bunch of Charles Barkley's out there. Well, back in my day, Mark Eaton was the best big man that I ever had to play against. Uh, Madison, do you have a, a strong feeling towards Paul George here in this category? Uh, I mean, I think Paul stands a pretty good chance. Obviously, he was named top three. But I do also think that just because of the noise that he created on defense this year, uh, he was such a well-rounded player. And I'm not even just talking about Oklahoma City fans uh, coming out and really making a lot of noise for him. He was being recognized nationally just for what he was doing for the Thunder. I think he stands a pretty good chance at taking home this award. Kind of going back to our conversation earlier, no, I don't see Paul George taking home the MVP, but I really do think that um, he has a good chance to take home the defensive player of the year just because of some of the things he did he didn't ever count himself out when he was uh, dealing with those injuries he really made a lot of good stops made a lot of good plays uh, really helped the Thunder keep a lot of good teams under uh, probably you know an a substantial amount of points that they probably should have gotten. Right. But I mean, the, the shoulders just... may have hurt him on the offensive oh, side, but I never really saw that impacting him on the defensive end. I didn't either. And so that's why I just, I do think that Paul is going to stand a good chance for this, but maybe that's just me being biased. I don't know. Well, I mean, we are never biased here on the Thunder franchise. No. The, the franchise Thunder. I wish Jerry would finalize the name of this show so I wouldn't trip up on it so much, and I'm yeah. blaming Jerry. I always I'm... say the Franchise Thunder Insider Show. Franchise Thunder mm-hmm. Insider Show. No bias. None, None. whatsoever F-T- on the Thunder. FTI, is that franchise? Oh, on the Thunder, yes. On, on the Thunder. No, no biases. I have biases, but just not on the Thunder. Thunder Franchise Insider Show. Here on 107.7 The Franchise, we need to take another break. I need a break for crying out loud. When we come back, we're going to talk about the NBA draft lottery, the future of the NBA. It could be shaken up significantly starting later in the month of June and on forward from there. We're going to talk more about these awards. We're going to talk about the Eastern Conference, the NBA Finals, and so much more. We'll catch you on the other side. 107.7 The Franchise, 107.9 in Tulsa. Hey everyone, I'm Madison Morris with more finalists for this year's NBA Awards, which will be announced on June 24th. Most improved player finalists include De'Aaron Fox from Sacramento, D'Angelo Russell from Brooklyn, and Pascal Siakam from Toronto. And Coach of the Year finalists include Bucks coach Mike Budenholzer, Nuggets coach Michael Malone, and Clippers coach Doc Rivers. Those are your final finalists for the NBA Awards. Before we get you back to the show, you're listening to the Thunder Insider Show. The flagship station for OU football is Oklahoma's new sound for sports. 1077, the franchise. The Franchise Thunder Insider Show on 107.7 The Franchise. John Hamp, Brady Trantham, Madison Morris, special guest Chisholm Holland from The Drive, Monday through Friday, 6 to 8. Filling in the Jerry Ramsey seat today. Uh, Jerry taking a little bit of undeserved time off. (laughs) So, happy for him. 
Yeah, yeah. Just thrilled for him. Uh, but yeah, uh, we are we are holding down the fort here this morning. We take you up until noon. Uh, do we have any uh, producers uh, doing a show after this one? I, I haven't heard. I have no idea. All right. Um, yeah, I, I I don't I never know these things. I just wait for like uh, Matt Burton to walk through the door. Yeah, that's usually our, our signal <laughs> that's for like, the most part. Yeah, that's how I, I know things. I know later today, OU softball will be live here on 107.7 The Franchise in Oklahoma City. Awesome. And also 1560 The Franchise, too. That's supposed to start off at 3. That is. If I'm super skeptical that it'll start at 3. <laughs> yeah, there's a great deluge going on outside. Yeah. Well, I mean, the great thing about that is when you slide into second, I mean, you get stopped way <laughs> before the bag if you do that. It's, because it's just my I, I live in Norman. The drive up here was uh, an adventure. So I'll just, yeah. So hopefully it dies down because uh, softball, softball's fun. As Madison and I were talking about before the show went on earlier this morning, softball is really fun to watch. And OU is a machine. And, uh, and by the way, friendly reminder, turn around, don't drown. Turn around, don't drown. <laughs> That's right. There are some places in, uh, in the OKC Metro that do not drain at all. Oh, yeah, like my neighborhood. All, <laughs> In all any of, way, shape, all or of form. Norm, all of Norman is like that. Yes. Uh, so anyway, please be careful out there. Uh, I, I think there is more rain throughout the day today. So yeah, I think you're right that uh, it's a little dicey on, on uh, how much outdoor sports is going to be played today. So uh, something to keep an eye on. But uh, also to keep an eye on, uh, guys, the NBA draft lottery was the other night. I had so much fun watching this. And uh, it, it, was, it was the moment the Lakers, we knew the Lakers moved up. You went, oh, boy. Oh, but they're going to get rewarded for this, aren't they? And uh, then you saw more it's teams. It's rigged. It's rigged. You saw more teams move up. And you know this, this was the first year that the new lottery system was put in place that flattened the lottery odds. You're, you're picking the top four teams at the top of the draft instead of three. And um, more teams moved up, and it just it, it shuffled things up quite a bit. And it shuffled things up for New Orleans, Chisholm. The New Orleans Pelicans who are about to lose Anthony Davis. That's all, folks, maybe, but they're getting Zion Williamson. Oh, man, that's a, that is just such a fun topic of what they should do there. But as far as New Orleans and the lottery odds go, I said on the franchise drive, we were on the air when they were about to do the lottery, and Colby asked me, you know, what is the funnest outcome? Like, what is the most chaotic? What is just where everyone just stares at the screen and goes, okay, what happens next? What do we do? I said, well, there's two answers. It's either Charlotte. Because God knows what would no. happen. If he went to Charlotte, everyone should be like, wait, how do we get him out of Charlotte? How, like, <laughs> Why do you hate Zion Williamson? <laughs> because that makes no sense. And so I find that, I think that'd be hilarious if he had gone to Charlotte. And then I said New Orleans, because the whole storyline behind the lottery is whoever gets the number one pick has the best chances of landing Anthony Davis. What happens if the team who has Anthony Davis lands the number one pick? Where does everyone go from there? And that's where we are. Um, so... Obviously, it's great for New Orleans. David Griffin, this is the fifth time he's won the lottery as either a vice president or a president of basketball. Opera. That is insane. That is the luckiest streak I've ever heard of. Three times with under 10% chance odds. Um, so, shout out to him. He's got a fun summer ahead of him. And where they go from here is just an interesting conversation all the way around. Yeah, it's I don't know what kind of sorcery he has, but uh, it, it's miraculous. I mean, is it a good thing that he constantly wins the lottery? Because why are you there in the first place? I mean, I know why he's in New Orleans. <laughs> <but it's, laughs> right. Um, right? Is it necessarily a good thing? Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's uh, you know he has no control over this situation, obviously. Uh, you know, having just taken over, and, and he's got a bit of a mess to clean up there. But uh, I mean, now he's got a big selling point to Anthony Davis, and of course, the initial word is Anthony Davis still wants a trade. Uh, there's still time to talk about this, but Chisholm just you know, if you're Anthony Davis, uh, what what do you do? Are you that desperate to get to L.A. or is 230 million dollars and playing next to Zion Williamson enough to sway you to stay in New Orleans? They, 
a million dollars is enough to convince me of just about anything. <laughs> 230 would be plenty to convince me to stay in New Orleans. What I don't totally understand now is I under I when the trade demand came through right before the deadline, I understood. And you're like, well, man, where's New Orleans going? They don't have a, they don't have like young guys who are coming up or just anyone really outside of Drew Holiday who you have a lot of confidence in long term. I got I get it. I got where they were headed. Now you look at that situation, you go, okay, so he's going to have Zion Williamson, he's going to have Drew Holiday, at least for the next three years, both of those guys. Or he can go play in Los Angeles. Where I mean, LeBron's LeBron. But three years from now, four years from now, would you rather be playing with Zion Williamson or LeBron? I think you'd rather be playing with Zion, and I don't know if I'm going out on a limb and saying that like Father Time catches up with everyone, and we're, we're getting close to the twilight of LeBron's career, now that I say that he'll retire at 70. But we're getting close <laughs> to the twilight of his career where... Long term for basketball, and that's what he's claimed day one. This is all about basketball. This isn't about endorsements. This isn't about extra money off the floor. This is about basketball. I want to win. New Orleans Orleans is the best choice for him now out of those two. New York, we have no idea what they're going to be. I know everyone's just writing in Kevin Durant's name or Kyrie Irving, Kimball Walker. NBA players change their minds like I change my t-shirts. So like, I don't want to count on guys who said three months ago they're going to New York to end up there. The sure thing now is I would have Drew Holiday, who is one of the most underrated players in the NBA on a lot on a large margin, and then Zion Williamson, who's supposed to be this transcendent talent, who I am also supposed to be. Between the three of us, you think we could get a couple more guys in here and be competitive? It makes more basketball sense for him to stay in New Orleans now than ever. So I wouldn't be shocked because he's also and not to knock on Paul George, he's also known like Paul George to be a little bit malleable as far as being talked into something that maybe he's not always into. Paul George has been known to do that, and so is Anthony Davis. But maybe in February when that deadline gets here, maybe he's not as urgent to get his way out of New Orleans. Yeah, I think at the very least, and this is just something I want from Anthony Davis, is just be, as long as you're in New Orleans, be a professional and play basketball. Uh, you may not like your situation, but it's it's going to end at some point, either in your like of your own free will, or they'll just ship you because they find a good situation for you and for them. I think at the very least, though, you have to give David Griffin a shot. And I know I just kind of joked, like, is it actually good that David Griffin constantly wins the lottery? But he's shown to be a competent GM. He's shown to be a GM that is able to uh, find players to build around superstars. And so I think Anthony Davis should not just see New Orleans um, as it has been for the last five years and how they've kind of squandered their talent, of how they've brought in questionable talent around Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday um, as well. Um, at least give this a chance. And that's all I'm asking. And it's just because I want to see AD and Zion play together with Drew Holiday. I want to see that trio and whatever David Griffin brings in um, with that. I want to see that build because, I mean, if that happens, that is just another good Western Conference team. Yeah, and a little bit of shades of San Antonio to me. Uh, David Robinson was—he had been in the league for nine years. He just—he just had an injury. Um, whenever the Spurs got Tim Duncan, and so there was a like another superstar for him to pair with, and B sort of a handoff. Now this is not a handoff situation from AD to Zion necessarily, but. You know, it's another young guy. Anthony Davis has been in the league now for, what, six years, seven years? Um, So now you're getting that superstar help in a way that New Orleans could not get that guy otherwise. Um, New Orleans is not a free agent draw. Yes, you can trade for that guy, but then you got to convince him to stay. Now you have the potential to draft a guy and have his rights for potentially up to like nine years at a minimum, you know, so there, there was a long-term fit there. And like you say, it's going to be interesting to see 
Um, you know, if, if if this does sway AD's mind, I wouldn't be in a big rush to trade him. And, and Madison, if you if you if you're looking at this, um, when you look at the rest of the lottery and how it laid out, I mean, some people are looking at New York and LA, and now they have the ammo to go get him. I mean, do do they really? I mean, does the the Pelicans didn't want what the Lakers had to offer back in February? How right. much more attractive is it now? Uh. I don't know. I mean, Brady and I actually kind of talked about this a little bit on a podcast we did on Wednesday, and we kind of laughed about the whole situation. And I'm just going to go ahead and say that I find it very comical just because I think it was kind of planted in people's heads that uh, Zion Williamson was going to go to either, you know, a big market like New York or somehow like land in L.A. or just whatever was going to happen. It was People who be, don't understand numbers they don't really we're have, talking about. Yeah, this. exactly. And I think it's just because of all the hype he created at Duke, obviously being the monster of a player he is. And uh, yeah, going to New York just kind of seemed like it was more of a reality. But then all of a sudden, New Orleans comes in and says, no, no, like I got this. And now it's just kind of like a, it's almost a comical situation that Zion's going to end up in New Orleans, which isn't going to be like bad or detrimental to his career. I just think it's kind of funny because people are sitting back like, oh, well, that was unexpected. Uh, Gail Benson, the owner of the New Orleans Pelicans, came out earlier this week and said, we will trade Anthony Davis to the Lakers over my dead body, which is just hilarious. I love pettiness in the NBA between owners (laughs) because that just doesn't happen a lot. Uh, And and I think she I think she came out and and said that was untrue after the fact. But of course, uh, I I would expect nothing less when she just came out. Yes. Uh, Maybe that was one of those. That's untrue because I didn't say that as a quote. I just said that. I didn't know we were going to go to the media with that. Yeah, I didn't know we were on the record. Um, And then also New Orleans, they're in a fun spot this summer because if Anthony Davis, I I guess he doesn't really have a choice. If they roll, if they just accept the fact they're going to roll into next year with Anthony Davis, they have twenty four million dollars in cap space coming into the summer. Plus, uh, they have Solomon Hill's expiring contract. That really gets them if they can move that Solomon Hill contract to a max deal. And I'm not saying that New Orleans is like, going to bring in Kyrie Irving or Kimball Walker because they're not one of those markets. Don't bring in Kyrie. But New they Orleans. suddenly they could vaguely become one of those players for like the Bradley Beals, the Mike Conleys, yeah, the, those, mi- the middle tier, like, the middle tier superstars who aren't free agents. Those guys who are going to be moved for other reasons. Suddenly, they could kind of be in that market of basically just absorbing some one of those guys into cap space. One of those overpaid players, not overpaid. Neither one of those guys are overpaid, but one of those higher echelon salary players and just bringing them in for future assets or whatever they can because they had that cap space and that flexibility. And so all of a sudden, if you add one more guy. Like there's just there might not be a better situation for AD in the league. They've got a lot of stuff that he can do, and it's exciting that David Griffin's there because to Brady's point, he's one of the more clever executives in the league. Yeah, and this this might be a little silly factor, but you know all these things that we're talking about. If we're if if this was a New Orleans radio station or if we're Pelicans fans, this is all exciting. Those don't exist, and neither of those things exist. <laughs> well, this this is exciting. You you already have Anthony Davis for hopefully one more season at the least. You're going to get Zion. This is exciting. You have the capability, like Chisholm said, you have some flexibility to move um, up or down, get get some other players or what have you. But this is where the onus comes onto the fan base. Make it attractive. Make it fun. Appreciate what you're what you've been blessed with now with the number one overall pick. Make New Orleans have. I mean, make I, New Orleans great, great again. I, what, I build I want, that gumbo. I don't want to say. I don't <laughs> want to say that Paul George decided to stay in Oklahoma City just because the fan base here is awesome and they sell out the arena and they're loud every single game but it doesn't hurt it doesn't hurt that the place you play in appreciates what you do whether it's the product they put on the floor um which we already all agree david griffin's a really good executive or the talent that's already on the floor in anthony davis and possibly and probably zion williamson so 
um, just appreciate it. Have fun with it and try and make it an attractive situation for players in the future or maybe players that are already there. Yeah, the Pelicans sold 3,000 season seats in 48 hours after getting the number one pick. So good job. That Bravo. city seems to be making that step forward. Yeah, and look, I think that's a good thing. And, you know, one of the free agents you mentioned that I don't think is unrealistic for New Orleans is Kimball Walker. If you could go get Kimball Walker, and yes, you have to, you have to get uh, Julius Randle to opt out of his contract, which he probably will do now. Right. He can probably get more on the open market, and his role is evaporated in New Orleans now. Um, yeah, you may have to either stretch Solomon Hill's contract or you know pawn him off on someone. But Kimball Walker is an interesting fit alongside Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis and Zion Williamson. I don't know. That that's kind of fun to me. So Mike Conley, I love because I'd be like, man, Drew Holiday, Mike Conley in the same backcourt. Who's scoring? Oh, that no, no that, one. No one would score. Fan, fantastic too. And uh, you know, you mentioned Memphis. They've got the number two pick, and all of this talk about Mike Conley is because it seems like John Morant is going to go to the Grizzlies. Uh, the grit and grind era is getting a 4K upgrade. Uh, they are turning into a completely different squad now with uh, potentially John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., and the overpaid carcass of Chandler Parsons, but still. <laughs> Um, that is why there's so much Mike Conley trade talk out there. They did not move him at the trade deadline, um, but Utah is still going to be interested in him. You, you mentioned New Orleans as a potential place. Miami, the Miami Heat have been mentioned as a team that could get involved in that uh, as well. But uh, you know, as far as what they can offer, I think they're going to offer up some of their longer-term deals, uh, maybe with a draft pick and, and hoping they can intense Mem- entice Memphis. But um, a lot of potential movement here. I mean, the NBA could start shaking up in a big way you know starting around the draft yeah and from a thunder perspective you know i've been diving into thunder potential thunder draft picks guys that are typically put around 21 and i'm going to put in all this time all this effort all this work into trying to understand the pros and cons of drafting this player for if you're if you're the thunder and then the thunder are going to trade their pick and it's going to be all for nothing that's all in play for pretty much any team like this is going to be an exciting draft it's going to be an exciting june i mean regardless of how the uh conference finals goes and then the finals go um all the offseason stuff i'm so excited for i just um there's just a lot of optimism in the air which is basically the point of the lottery it's like yeah you're terrible and a lot of that is on you but sometimes some things happen like lebron just leaves and goes to la for no reason other than to make movies um but you're in the lottery this is your chance to salvage it and rebuild and so I, i do like that a lot of these small like the two Two of the smaller markets, maybe smaller than Oklahoma City, New Orleans, and Memphis, they now have a lot to be excited for. And if you're a small market team fan, you have to appreciate that because um, we're all one big small market happy family here. Right. Someone that we're not expecting a team is going to kill this offseason because there's so much movement happening between free agents, between people we know are on the trade market, plus all these people that no one's talking about right now, but if Kawhi Leonard goes to a different team... I'm positive Kyle Lowry suddenly becomes available and now he's yep. on the move. There's a ton of different scenarios like that where there's going to be a team that we're not Indiana or Utah or someone like that is going to capitalize on this summer because there's going to be way more people available than there's going to be actual need. And so some teams are going to be able to buy low on a lot of these guys. And it's going to be interesting to see if the Thunder can thrust themselves, maybe not one of those upper echelon guys, but thrust themselves into a situation where they can capitalize on that. And, and get a, you know, again, a quality rotation guy. It's something you and I talked about the other night on my podcast, uh, uh, Chisholm, that OKC could maybe in, inject themselves and, and become a third party in a trade to get 
a quality rotation player and help address some of these problems they've had with the second unit. So right. a lot of it does tie back to Oklahoma City. It's um, or, or at least you can, you can see other teams and how they're building and how OKC could either you know help themselves in the process or will other teams above them potentially suffer and benefit OKC. Um, it's uh, it's fascinating. The nice thing. We don't have to wait up and see what happens. Now, thankfully, the NBA has moved up its moratorium. It is going to start at 6 p.m. Eastern time on June 30th, not at 11 p.m. Central time. Right. We're not going to do a midnight free agency show? No, we Uh. almost did last year. We almost (laughs) did. Uh, No, in fact, we did. We did, yeah. Yeah, I remember earlier that day, um, I got some strong indications of what was about to happen. I was just across. I was across the street at KFOR when I used to work there for a few months, and uh, yeah, like Dylan Buckingham and I were just going insane in the station, going, "What is going on? Right. Is he actually going to stay?" And it just became more more apparent, like with each like thirty minutes, with each hour, like, "Oh my God, he's actually going to resign in Oklahoma City." And then uh, we were on air for about twenty minutes before midnight, and then literally at twelve oh one the Woj tweet came came by and by the time we were able to dissect that oh Jeremy Grant's also staying how did this happen yeah yeah so Jerry and I were not going to do anything uh, for free agency that night we were going to just wait and see but then when I started getting some indications I'm like Jerry we might want to go ahead and get in station and and prepare for this Uh, and and I still even thought well this party is going to be the the recruiting pitch this is going to be step one before he goes off and talks to others, uh, not no, not fully understanding that, no, he had already made a commitment. So uh, the Thunder don't have to worry about that so much. They do have some other things to worry about, including their draft pick, which we will talk about after the next break. We'll talk about who OKC reportedly maybe has promised their pick to, what other directions they could go. Also, the University of Michigan, uh, they're discussing uh, their head coaching job with someone. Is it Billy Donovan? I don't know. We'll talk about that on the other side here on the Franchise Thunder Insider Show on 107.7 The Franchise, 107.9 in Tulsa.